again, thank you so much for being with us this morning and for worshiping with us. I'm excited as we conclude our series of influence. Uh, face it, you have it. Now what? And so the last uh, couple weeks, we have uh, really touched on a theme. I guess it wasn't ever in initially intended to go in the direction it had, but uh, we really touched on a couple things that, that ultimately God is in control, that God is the one who has chosen us, and God is the one who has put us in, in connection with one another, and, uh, and he's placed us where we are to be and where we are to have that influence. And ultimately, in the midst of all of those things, as we looked at last week, God then is victorious. It is, um, and, and then we've looked throughout the last several weeks, but is it not like God to do some uh, pretty bizarre things? Um, uh, there's so many times in our lives and so many things that we've read and so many things that we see where God just, uh, in the midst of something that we would look at and go, what in the world is going on? God is just doing what God does. And so uh, we looked at that. We saw that with Moses, uh, a burning bush, Moses taking a rod and throwing it on the ground, becoming a snake. And we know so many other stories with Moses. Or uh, we looked at a harlot named Rahab hiding uh, men upon her roof. Uh, we looked at an angry king and a fiery furnace as three boys were willing to stand up before the king and stand uh, up to the king and be obedient uh, in that. And so we've looked at several different things. Uh, and, and if we were to look at scripture and just continue to drive through and process through uh, scripture, we would see so many other things as well. We would look at the prophets. If you go back and uh, read any of the prophets, a lot of them did some pretty bizarre things that uh, were used of God to get the attention of the children of Israel um, to speak to them, oftentimes, many of times, as they had completely went away from the covenant, they had completely went away from uh, hearing of God, God would use some bizarre, what we would call bizarre, thing to grab their attention. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to give you, a, a, I'm going to look at another pretty uh, bizarre story, I believe it's bizarre, um, where God decided to use a man uh, who was, again, just another uh, typical man, if you will, uh, but he used a man to do something completely bizarre to get the attention of the children of Israel, to get the attention uh, of those that have pretty much stopped hearing from God. And when I say they stopped hearing from God, I don't mean that they stopped practicing some of the things that they always practiced. If you know much of the children of Israel, oftentimes they didn't stop practicing and attending a temple or doing some of those things, but they stopped and they no longer heard from God and did it out of a heart of loving God. Rather, they just kind of went through because, oh, this is just what we do. I think if you were to just be really honest, all of us in this room can find ourselves just doing the things that we just do. And we're not maybe hearing from God, but we're just doing it. Uh, we attend service, not uh, sometimes not with the intention of hearing from God, but well, this is what we do, and we worship God, and we sing, and we clap, and we do what we do, and we listen to that guy scream and yell, and uh, whatever it would be, but oftentimes it's not from the heart. And so as we look today, we're going to be in the book of Hosea. Again, another typical guy who was called to do something absolutely, in my opinion, bizarre. But in order to speak to the heart of Israel, the people that were God's chosen people, the people who God had showed miracle after miracle after miracle, yet they had given themselves over more and more and more to false religions and to false idolatry uh, a people that God loved, yet they had taken for granted. And they began to love themselves and the comfort of where they were far more than loving God. So God chose to use a man, a normal man, a man who was a young man that was God-fearing, that was, uh, we assume that he would have been idealistic, a pure-minded man, a, a man that lived a clean lifestyle, one that heard the voice of God. And as we close out the series looking at influence, 
the word that came to my mind uh, as I was studying this passage of scripture that just kept ringing true over and over and over was the word obedience. And as I thought of obedience and I thought of influence, I guess the thing that kept coming back to me really was in the title that I've put is obedience is the greatest influence. Obedience is the greatest influence because all of us have been chosen. If you know God as Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and, and you are walking with God and you are doing those things, when God speaks to us, regardless of where you are and God has chosen you, God has placed you where you are, the difference is our obedience. Will I be obedient to God and allow that obedience to ultimately make an impact in the influence that I have in my circle of influence, if you will. As I am obedient to God, that influence oftentimes magnifies. But it's simply an obedient thing. It's, it's God's grace that he would choose us. It's by God's grace that he would place you where he has placed you. And in our obedience and or our disobedience, our life becomes victorious and abundant or it becomes just something that we do. I'm alive. There's not a lot of joy. There's not a lot of peace in my life. There's not a lot of excitement in my life. There's not a lot of anything in my life and I'm not really uh, comfortable where I'm at and I'm not really peaceful and I'm not really joyful. Oftentimes that comes simply because I'm not willing to be obedient to God. Now, being obedient doesn't mean that everything is perfect. But in our obedience, God works. And I'm going to use an illustration, and we'll kind of close out the service with an illustration of how God has placed people. And so God has chosen each of us. And he has placed us where he has placed us. And the awesome part about that is as God takes and moves and puts us where he intends to put us, it's almost as if the beauty of that in one individual person oftentimes almost seems out of place, but when it's all together, it's perfect. If you listen to music, sometimes you'll listen to it. I, I love music, and I've been around music my whole life, and so there's sometimes where I'll listen to a song, or I'll, I'll listen to instruments, or I'll listen to something, and I'll be like, man, that just sounds off. But then when it all comes together, it's just perfect. That off would have been a, a note that was intended, but if it's all by itself, you can't hear the beauty of it. But when God has placed us and he's brought us all to the different pieces, he's, he's brought us all to the, to the different chairs in which we sit, so to speak, to bring us in, he being the conductor of the orchestra, to make an absolutely perfect symphony. And so this morning, we'll kind of close out with that, but I think it's incredible how God has chosen us, how God has placed us, and the thought is this, today obedience is the most powerful influence that shows forth love and the grace of God to all who are near. And if you have your Bible, we'll be in Hosea. We're going to look uh, almost in every verse from chapter 1 to chapter number 3 this morning. Uh, and I'm just going to fly through it. There's a lot of things inside of here that I won't necessarily touch on. Uh, there's a lot of prophetic things that we won't touch on. But inside of the context of being an influence of, of Hosea's obedience, uh, I believe that we will be challenged in God's word this morning. And so we're going to look at verses, um, I believe the screen is verses 2 and 3. I'm going to read verse 1, 2, and 3. Um, and, so, and then we'll look at chapter number 3 and verse number 1. But it says this in Hosea chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came unto Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Beginning of the, the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom to departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. If you go to chapter number three, we'll see again 
obedience of Hosea. And it says this in chapter number three, verse one. Then said the Lord unto me, go ye, or go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord, toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. And in verse number two, so I brought her, or so I bought her, or so I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. And so we see the obedience of God with Hosea. Father, I come to you today. Lord, really a story, uh, a passage of scripture that's, um, I, I guess, maybe difficult for all of us because it's just something that is, is so abstract, so bizarre. Uh, Lord, not something that any of us would desire to do, but yet out of obedience, Hosea used his own family's illustration to point the children of Israel to you. And so, God, I pray that this morning we would hear from you. I pray that we would glean from what you have for us here in this book, in this, these couple chapters, and that you would be glorified. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So as we look at this, obedience is the greatest influence. The very first thought this morning is just Hosea's obedience. Hosea's obedience. It's so simple. So simple. But yet God spoke and said, go, take a wife of whoredom, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. And everything we have looked at in this series, it comes down to obedience. Again, it all comes down to obedience in every storyline that we have, we have looked at. Moses, his willingness or unwillingness to be obedient. The three Hebrew boys being obedient. Rahab being obedient. The, each one of these situations was obedience. If you go back to the very, very first uh, sermon that I spoke in this series, I, I made the reference out of John chapter 10 and verse number 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you, have, you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we looked at that really, the beginning of that, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the idea that so many times that we lose out because the thief has come in and given us these excuses. God, I can't do this. What did Moses say? Moses said, well, God, surely, maybe not me. God, I can't do this. God, I can't even speak. God, I have, I have this, this speech problem. God, this, and Moses, and God looked at Moses over and over and said, what did he say? Well, Moses, I will be with you. Moses, I will go. Hey, Moses, grab that rod, throw it on the ground. Moses did so. Moses, take your hand, put it inside of your bosom, and it becomes leprous. Put it back in there, and it becomes undone, or it becomes clean again. Moses, do this, and all of those things. And then right after, immediately after, we talked about this in Life Group on Wednesday night. Immediately after God did those things, Moses looks and says, but I can't speak. It's the stories, the excuses that we use. We look back and we see all of the mound of evidence that God has done. And we go, well, I can't do that, God. He has to just scratch his head and be like, I, I really don't know what to tell you anymore. Have you ever done that with your kids? Where you're literally, you're like looking at them and you're like, I don't even know how to help you anymore. Like, I don't, there's nothing else I can say. If you can't figure that out, you can't see that. I literally have nothing else to, nothing to do. There, you're on, I, I don't know. You're on your own. Here's the car keys. Good luck. Yeah, I don't know. But we see Hosea's obedience. We don't know if he had a story. We don't now know if he had a, a fight. But what we see here is, the word of the Lord came unto Hosea, in or verse number one. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said in verse number two to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Hosea, I want you to marry this lady who's in the midst of whoredom. The word whoredom means a woman who is repeatedly guilty of sexual immorality. Yet, Hosea was obedient because I believe a lot of it had to do with God saying, Hosea, I need you to go do this because this is what's going on and I'm going to use you. Sometimes, isn't it, we, 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 why are we doing this? 
our kids say that. Why? 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 If you remember that age where the, there's nothing that you say that they don't say why, and you just want to go like because like there's no you don't need to know. It's I, I don't know why. It's just how it works. But he doesn't ask that. But God says because. The land hath committed great whoredom. And so Hosea chose to be obedient. Hosea did what God had called for Hosea to do and would go in verse number three. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter, to be his wife. In this book, there's a lot of things that are symbolic, and one of the things that God has called for him to do when he has his children, each one of his children that are mentioned here, the three children, there's, there's a name that has been given that God has told them to, and there's a meaning behind that name that is very meaningful and symbolic. The first I'll start with is just simply the word Hosea, that means salvation, and Gomer means completion. And so Moses, or Hosea and Gomer have children And they continued, again, Hosea being faithful, being obedient. He goes, and we see in verse number four, and the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu. And so we look at this, and Jezreel means God sows or God scatters. Jezreel was a city near Mount Gilboa associated with drastic judgment. Through Hosea's son, God said he would avenge the innocent blood shed by Jehu and put an end to this dynasty. And so we look at this and we look at Jezreel. The next verses coming down, uh, we see in verse number five and six, or verse number uh, six, uh, sorry. And she conceived again and bare a daughter, and God said unto him, Call her name Lo Ruama. Lo Ruama means unpitied or not loved. God had loved his people and proved that, but now he would withdraw that love and no longer show them that love and mercy. The expression of God's love is certainly unconditional, but our enjoyment of that love is truly conditional and depends upon our faith and our obedience. And as we continue to move forward in verse number, uh, uh, verse number nine, then said God, Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. And so Loami literally means not my people. God removed his mercy, but now says they are no longer even his people. It was a, a, a man divorcing his wife and turning his back on her, or like a father rejecting his own son. God would use his obedience in marrying Gomer and his obedience in naming his children as God has called him to name the children as a part of this whole process of getting the attention of the people of Israel, the children of Israel. And I know some of this at this point isn't really exciting, and you're like, okay, you're, I'm, I'm kind of walking through this teaching process here. But as we go through this, the importance of the obedience, we will begin to slowly be played out. So the first point was Hosea's obedience. The second is Hosea's obedience showed God's love. So be, uh, Hosea's obedience showed God love. If, uh, God's love. If we jump down into we jump down into chapter number two, we'll begin to see parts of this where Hosea was a man that loved. Hosea was a man that uh, also didn't minimize the holiness of God. Sometimes in our churches, sometimes in our teaching, sometimes in our lifestyles, it's us, we express love, we give hugs, oh, everything is great and everything is good, and that's, that's awesome. We need that. But if we love like that, without loving, sharing the hard truths that need to be shared, we are doing a disservice in many regards. I would fail my children if I let them do anything that they wanted to do and I didn't stop them and say, hey guys, time out. We don't do that. We don't act like that. And this is why. Now, I could be the coolest dad in the world and let them do anything, but I'm not giving them the proper love and attention that they need. Do we understand this, right? So Hosea is in this situation. Now because of his obedience, now he's not only married a wife of whoredom, 
He had one child with her. The other two most likely are not his, but yet he names them and he loves them and cares for them as his own. Sound familiar? Hosea was obedient. And Hosea's obedience to God by marrying this woman, Gomer, is now the storyline that is going to be used and the illustration that's going to be used to reach out and to grab a hold of the attention of everybody that is in front of him. And something is going on. <laughs> but we're about to see, honestly, I, I can't even imagine. I use lots of illustrations. I use my family oftentimes... I try not to use anything that's too embarrassing for my children. But I couldn't imagine standing up here using my wife as the illustration for her lack of faithfulness to me to get your attention. And this is what we're about to see. We're watching this. We're reading this. And so Hosea, in his obedience, showed the love of God. I'm not going to read through every one of these verses, but I'm literally going to go through basically all of chapter number two. And as we look at verses two through five, we'll see this. It says uh, in verse number two, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. And we look at this. He was rebuking the children of Israel by using his wife. He, he says, plead with your mother for her unfaithfulness. And then he said, Israel, you are guilty of being unfaithful and worshiping pagan gods. Unfaithfulness is not acceptable. We're not going to stand here and act as if this is all okay. Your unfaithfulness is not good, is what he's basically looking at them and he's saying. It's serious. It means something, but yet they decided to be unfaithful to God. It's, we know the storyline there of Israel, but they were unfaithful to God. And they went over here and they began to worship at the, the idols of Baal and worship all of these other false gods. And Hosea comes before them and he says, you are being unfaithful. You are guilty of unfaithfulness. First John chapter 2 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. James 4 says, The friendship with the world is enmity against God. We are not to be conformed to the world, but what? We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are not, it should not be acceptable for us to be that close and a part of the world that it doesn't even bother us that we are unfaithful to God in that. And Hosea says to them, he is rebuking them for their unfaithfulness. In verses 5 through 9, he says, you are an ungrateful people. He's looking at them for, uh, they look at it, it says in verse 5, their mother had played the harlot. She, hath she that conceived them hath done shamefully. And it goes on to speak of, in verse number 5, that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and mine oil and my drink. Therefore, and it, so again, all of those things were provided, but yet she, she accepted all of it and then turned over here and to the idols of Baal and would say, hey, thank you. Though God provided all of these things, we see the hand of God and we watch the hand of God and we experience the hand of God and we look at God and we say, hey, cool. And we go over here and we bow at the hand of a false God. Hosea is saying, you're ungrateful. You are ungrateful for what God has done. You're taking the blessings of God and you're worshiping at the Feet of Baal, if you will. I think the sad but true reality is we can see that in our own culture and in our own world. We take the blessings of God and we turn and we say, whatever our idol is, and we worship at the feet of it. We take the blessings of God and we say, oh, thank you, God. And then we praise ourselves for what. I am deserving of. Oh, I've worked so hard. This is the stuff that I deserve. Look, I, I, I go to work every day and I work really hard. And uh, so I deserve all of these things. This is mine. And God says, I just want you. 
And we're too busy for him. We push him out. We're ungrateful. Verses 10 through 13, he speaks of the hypocrite. He says, he speaks to them, Now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none, of, none shall deliver her out of the hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, the feasts of the day, uh, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, all her solemn feasts. I will destroy her vines. And all of those things are things that they were doing. Those were, those were things that they normally did. Those were feasts that they would go to. Those were celebrations that they would have. I would liken it to you and I coming to church on a regular basis, partaking of the elements and and. and as we do communion or, or worshiping in song or worshiping through the word of God, we do these things, but what does it mean if we're not giving our heart to God? It is nothing. It's all for nothing. He says to them, why are you being a hypocrite? Why are you being hypocritical? You're doing the celebrations, but none of it is of the heart. You're going to church, but not worshiping the living and true God. Gomer was engaged and now back into whoredom by this time. But yet Hosea loved her. His love was strong, yet his love was broken by his wife. I can imagine there was a broken heart. And as we look at this storyline, it's the same for you and I. In the midst of things where we look at it, but yet God has called for us, God has chosen us, God is asking us, God is telling us to continue to love the way that He has called us to love. Out of obedience. Hosea does just all of those things. He loves his wife. And in his love, he used that. Again, I, I look at that illustration. I can't imagine calling my wife up here, using our relationship and her willingness to be unfaithful to get your attention to point you back to God. But yet that's what God did. He said, you are like Gomer. You've become unfaithful. You've become uh, so willing to bow at the feet of Baal. You've become all of those things. And Hosea says, out of love, he comes and he disciplines or he speaks boldly. Today, I cannot stress enough that when we are obedient to the voice of God, we will love as Christ loves. And it's not always easy, but it's what has to be done. And Hosea did just that. He showed love, though it wasn't easy. And the last thought this morning is Hosea's obedience showed God's grace. Hosea's obedience shows God's grace. As we close, as we close out, we begin to see that God's love and grace truly do go hand in hand. His obedience led him to share this love in so many different ways. But if we look through this passage of Scripture... Hosea is going to speak several different statements over these next few moments. I'll give those to you and we'll close out. But in verse number 14, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. He will, he will allure her. He's going to woo her, if you will. He was not going to force her to come back, but he was going to woo her. He was going to get her back in. Men, you all did this. If you sit beside your wife, at some point you decided to woo her to think you were something more than you actually are. <laughs> We've all done it. She thought I was something great. Sucker. But the reality is that's what we do, right? We're trying to woo them. We want them, to, we want them to come in. God doesn't force us. He woos us in. He uses the grace and the love of God to draw us to himself. He would woo them or allure them, showing God's grace, wooing her back to him. In verse number 15, it speaks of giving. I will give her vineyards from thence in the valley of Achor 
for a door of hope. And as we look at this again, there's, a, a, there's this grace that's being showed. There's, there, there's, there's this, again, this is prophetic. Some of the, most all of these statements are prophetic, but there's a grace that's being showed. It's a guarantee, uh, a return to the land and a restoration of their prosperity. God is showing his love and God is showing his grace that he will bring them back. God is showing that grace that he would restore the prosperity that they do not deserve. The children of Israel, just like you and I, deserve to just be punted out and not be dealt with ever again. But yet God said that he would bring them back. Not only would he bring them back, but that he would love them to the place that he would give them prosperity again, that he would restore unto them all of the things that they would lose. Verses 16 and 17, take away. As we look at that, at the, at it, and it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bali, for I will take away the names of Balim out of her mouth, and they shall be, or they shall no more be remembered by their name. There will, there will no more be one day those of the children of Israel that will go back into idolatry. It will all be gone. There will be a divine marriage, and Israel will no longer prostitute herself, rather love the living and true God. Hey, there's coming a day where we will worship at the feet of Jesus in perfection, where I will no longer be drawn away or wooed away, if you will, by finances or by, by, by this or that or the other thing that grasps at our attention. There will be a day where we will all bow worshipfully, perfectly at the feet of Jesus, and we will experience some of these things. He's speaking specific to the children of Israel, but we will all be a part of that. In verses 18 through 20, it speaks of, I will betroth that word, and I will betroth thee unto thee, unto me forever. That word is the, the covenant would not end. It would not be an ending covenant. Rather, it would be restored. There would be, there would be that restored creation and peace among all nations. Verses 21 and 22 speaks of a, a, a response that God would give. Come to and pass on that day that I will hear, saith the Lord. I will hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth. The earth shall hear the, the corn and the wine and the oil and they shall hear Jezreel. Jezreel. There's a promise that the heavens and the earth would respond, that they would speak to one another, if you will. The heaven sends the rain. The earth produces the fruit. It's a picture of restoration of the universe where sin and death no longer will reign. Verse 23, we see it again and speaks of Jezreel there. But I will sow unto me in the earth and I will have mercy upon her. Jezreel means God sows. It is that God is sowing his people in their land. You are my people, God says, and they would return and say, and you are my God. The grace of God that is being shown in these promises. Why would God look at them after they have failed him and lied and cheated on him and done all of these things and yet say, but I'll restore you. Again, a picture that we're about to see in chapter number three in verses one and two. For in chapter number three, verses one and two, it says, the Lord unto me, go yet love a woman believed of her friend or beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. In verse number two, so I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. So what does he do? So what does he do? You know the story. His wife has now left him. Two of the three children aren't even his, but yet he's raising them, he's named them, he's loving them. She goes, she's now living with somebody else that has paid for her services. She's now in that house, and he goes to that house. It says in verse number two, so I bought her. He goes and he pays the money to take his own wife home. He paid for his own wife. To come back home. It says if you were to study it. That he paid a cheap rate. Because she was no longer worth it. She had cheapened herself. Can I say to you today. That we are. That harlot. 
We are Gomer, and God has sent his son to pay the most expensive price, his life for you. His grace is so abundant for you. He says, you will abide with me many days. If you're to read, uh, continue to read, and I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me many days. And he looks at her and he says, hey, I- I'm going to have you. You will, you will stay in my house. I've paid you. I brought you back into my house. You're going to stay here. There was no intimacy between the two of them at this point. There was none of those things, but he said, I brought you to come back and you would abide with me. You will no longer play the harlot. You will no longer be for another man, for I will be with you. The children of Israel, it goes on to say, the children of Israel in chapter number three, for the children of Israel in verse four, abide many days without without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without a teraphim. Today, The children of Israel in Israel have no king. They're without a king because they rejected the king. In Luke chapter 19, they said, we will not have this man to reign over us. We have no king but Caesar. Israel has no prince because there's no reigning dynasty in Israel. All the records have been destroyed when the Romans captured Jerusalem in AD, or in AD 70 and nobody can prove to which tribe he or she belongs. The Israelites have no sacrifice because they have no temple. The altar, the priesthood, they don't have a pillar or an image or a household of God, a, a teraphim, because idolatry was purged from the culture during the Babylonian captivity. But here's the grace of God. Israel will not stay that way. Many of us have chosen to reject God in many parts of our lives. I'm looking out at most of you, and I know most everybody in this room, you would say, yes, I'm a believer. Even inside of our lives as believers, we have often kicked God out, but God's grace has said, hey, but I love you, and we're drawn back to him. And I want to close this morning with the grace of God. God is gracious. He is a God that is far more gracious than you and I ever deserve. And in chapter number one, in verses 10 and 11, which I did not read, it says this, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, now think of this, remember the names, you are not my people, was one of the names. There it shall be said unto them, ye are the son, sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. As we close out this morning, thinking about the grace of God, thinking about the obedience of Hosea and what Hosea showed, we see small little pieces of this. And I don't know when the last time you've thought of some of these things, but the names that were given were Loami. The word Loami meant not my people. That name Loami would become Ami, which means my people. The name Loruama means unpitied or not loved, would become Ruama or my loved one. There it is to be a new relationship. And this morning, many of you have a a new name that was written down in glory. And I wonder if we just would stop this morning and begin to think about the grace of God. For there was a time in your life where somebody showed you love and somebody showed you the grace of God that drew you to a place where your name is no longer the same. In this passage of scripture, it's Loruama and it's Loami. Loami literally was somebody whose name meant, you are not mine. And it was changed to mean, you are 
mine. Ruame meant unpitied and not low Ruama, unpitied and not loved would be changed to Ruama, which meant you are mine and you are loved. There was a day where I was an enemy of God, where I was at enmity with God, where I hated God, where I would spit in God's face because I knew better. And then it was by the grace of God, it was by the love of God that he showed somebody, he brought somebody to me to show me love, to show me God's grace, and that by the grace of God, my name is no longer written as Aaron Flanagan in heaven. My name is a new name that was given to me. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your name is not what you own, you think it is today. There's a new name that's been written, and the grace of God is not a low, which means the not or the negative aspect of that, but now you are life. There is hope. I wonder this morning if our lives, if in our lives, if we would be like Hosea and say, God, I'm willing to be obedient to you and I'm willing to seek your face and I'm willing to cry out and I'm willing to love and I'm willing to show your grace in everything that I do to the best of my ability so that somebody might have a new name. Somebody might have a hope that they didn't have before. See, influence this morning It's not just that I could influence you to be here. It's not just that you could influence somebody to be whatever around you. But God has chosen you. God has chosen where you are. And I wonder if we would be obedient to him and to love and to show God's grace. Would we do that? I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back I wonder if you would be a part of what God is choosing, how God has chosen you. As the piano started to play and as the, the cajon came in and as the, the other instruments just kind of joined in piece by piece, God has chosen each of us to put us right where we are, peace by piece by piece to make a victorious and a beautiful symphony but would we be obedient to say God yes here I am I'm willing to be used I will go I will follow would we do that none go with me still I will follow though none go with me still I will follow No turning back, no turning back. Why don't, as this last verse is sung, why don't you join in with us in worship this morning? I don't know if you have to decide this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Would you come today? Would you decide today? Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you are not giving everything to him. You're not being obedient. You're not loving as God would love. You're not showing the grace of God. Why not today? The cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Let's do that verse, verse again. I have decided to follow Jesus. Why don't you sing that with us? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. just wonder this morning believer would we not play a game but would we be obedient to God and in our obedience would we allow God to use us 
as an influence to show the love of God, to show the grace of God? Would we allow him to do that? He's chosen you right where you're at. He's brought you to the place where you are today, right now, for such a time as this. Would we just say, God, here I am. Hey, I don't, I don't want to be a church that's just comfortable playing the game of church. Why not? Why not? Say, God, man, I'm scared to death. I can't imagine that Hosea didn't at some point say, God, I don't know what you're thinking. But God, I'm scared. But I'm willing to be obedient because you have called. You have chosen me. Listen, I didn't choose him. He chose me. He chose you. You know who stops it? Me. Do you know why? The devil comes to steal kill and destroy and I allow him to tell me that I'm worthless I allow him to tell me that I can't and I believe it you can think whatever you want to think of me right now I am not worthless I am a child of God I am not nobody I am not nobody I am his son he is my daddy Can I preach the gospel message every Sunday? No, but he can in and through me if I will be obedient. Can I be bold wherever I am in life? No, but can I in and through him going in and through me? Yes, here's the problem. I have to say, God, here I am. I'm deciding. I'm following you. I'm scared to death because I do not know what this looks like. But I'm willing I'm willing, eight years ago this Sunday, today, actually on Wednesday, this next Wednesday, will be the first time I stood before Oasis Baptist Church as a pastor, and I'll promise you, scared to death, and I wish I could say today that I was as bold now as I am, or I was bold then as I am now, I was scared, but you know what, would we just be obedient? I wish I could stand and say, guys, I've been obedient for eight years, and it's been perfect, I've not. There's been so many days that I've done it myself. But let's say yes to him. When God speaks, I ask you this. Rachel shared a song two weeks ago, I think it is, The Voice of God. And I got halfway through the song, and I'm not going to lie, I just said, I wonder when was the last time I just genuinely heard from God. I wonder, when was the last time you just heard from God? Not that you came to church. Not the last time I read the Bible on Sunday or on Saturday or on Thursday or whenever it is that you read your Bible, hopefully every day. But not the last time that you read the Bible, but when was the last time you heard from God? We come We play the game and we play our part and we do these things. And we're no different than Gomer because we've played it and we're unfaithful. We're hypocritical. And again, this isn't a bashing of anybody. But that's me. God, I've got this. I'll be okay. You just stay where you're at. I want to be obedient to God that my influence would be powerful, that my influence would show love, that my influence would be gracious to those that are around me. Church, I don't ever do this. I never drag out an invitation. But would we just beg God this morning? God, I'm not comfortable sitting in a chair any longer. There's work to be done. There's people that don't know you. And I'm 
acting as if it's all okay. We're more angry about an election than we are that our neighbor is going to hell. You know what that tells me? Our Savior is government, not God. It should bother the church. It should bother the church. It should. I'm going to ask that we sing that first verse again. And if you need to come, I'm asking you to come. If you need to bow right where you're at, why not? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I just plead with you right now? I don't have any intention of of making you embarrassed. But there's a group of people that are sitting in this room that want you to know God is your Lord and Savior. And can I plead with you, why not walk right down this aisle and say, Pastor, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior and I need Him. Hey, for that matter, believer, why not walk down and just say, God, I need you. I've sat in my chair far too long. I've not been to an altar in years. Why not? Let's sing that first verse again. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you have made any decision today, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So can you please let us know by filling out a connect form or texting decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the ministry and mission of Oasis, you can text GIVE to the number provided below, click on the GIVE link, or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. We just want to thank you again for joining us in worship. And as you head out into your new week, we pray that you will not forget that you have to live your life to the fullest and be an incredible influence for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So be an influence and be a passionate follower of Christ.